Hello everyone and welcome to Showhoppers. Today we are covering Watchmen Episode 8, A God Walks Into A Bar. A bar? A bar. A bar. A bar. Anyway, I am Mr. Sal, a high school science teacher, re-watching Watchmen because it's awesome. And I'm wa doing so, watching Watchmen for the second time with my co-host and former student, Kurt, who was watching it for the first time. And Kurt... If you sing for He's a Jolly Good Fellow, I'll vomit all over your boots. You must love suffering, Mr. Sal. Don't make me suffer, too. <laughs> That's how it is. For He's a Jolly Good Fellow, pretty good song. Definitely a top ten. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Did you have that ready to, ready to say? No. Well, I you figured just that. remembered that because it's from the same scene. That's unbelievable. Fantastic. <laughs> Phenomenal. Okay. I'm kind of obsessed with Adrian Veidt, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> you keep saying phenomenal, <laughs> even off the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and I, now you have posters I, of him in your room. I, yeah. I need a retractable telescope just to carry around so that I can click it shut when I say phenomenal every time I say phenomenal. Yeah, you can look up. I'm sure you can click something. <laughs> I Walk I, around I, with I, a I, pen. I, click I, out. I've got stuff I can do. <laughs> Anyway, you've got equivalents, yeah. All right, before we go too down to the vite, too far down the vite rabbit hole, let's guess uh, how we felt about this rate this episode. Rating. So, this extraordinary being is so far your favorite episode of the of the series. I feel like that's the episode you didn't know that you needed, and once you had it, you were like, "Oh my god, this was." Everything I wanted and didn't know I wanted. This episode, I feel like, is everything you wanted, full stop. So, 10 out of 10. <laughs> this is, I feel like you've been waiting for this episode without knowing that you were waiting for this episode. And uh, 10 out of 10 for you. All right. Actually, um, let, let, me, let, me, let me add one more thing to that. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, part of why I feel that way is because I know that you love the chapter in Watchmen in the graphic novel that's us uh, kind of dr manhattan centric where it's him bouncing around through time you know where he is explaining that he sees all time at once and then we get to experience that via the graphic novel panels this yeah. is that for the tv series so that's why i think you love it they're going to give it a 10 all right yeah uh i think this hits a lot of stuff that you enjoy immensely um relationships we got breakups but makeups and all the stuff happening together the forming and possibly the ending of a relationship sacrifice so i i think you're loving uh angela and dr Mahan's whole dynamic going on there and i think you, you his dr Mahan's quandary in this episode of earlier on when he's trying to relate more with angela but obviously you know just the way he perceives time and i think it probably bothers him from Past relationships, like we know it bothered Lori, and you know, it's definitely something that bothers him probably. So, when he talks to Vite about that stuff, I, I'm I think you'd like that as well. So, I mean, I, I want to say he gave you answers, but I mean, you already know the answers, <laughs> but it's uh, but I, I think he gave it a 10, yeah, because yeah, yeah, I think he also liked that chapter, so yeah. I did love that chapter, and I did give this a ten. Of course, yeah, I so. gave it a ten. I've been waiting for I've been waiting for Doctor Manhattan the whole series. I've been praying for his return. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is, and this I knew he great. wasn't on Mars. Ha! Huh. Even though I read the, <laughs> you did, you did say that. But you know what's funny is I I would have given this a ten 
without his conversations with Vite and Will. But then they threw in Vite and Will. So it's like, I want to give this an 11 now. <laughs> this is unbelievable. The, the way he works is almost like time travel. Like it feels yes. like he's going back. But it's like just, just thinking about it kind of – I mean it, it – it, Lack of a better word, like it hurts my brain a bit. Like, yeah, he's doing this all at the same time. Like <laughs> yes. he's talking to Will, he's talking to Angel. He's just, yeah, he's trying to fathom that. It's just, well, a, a lot of it is like I, I always kind of think of time as a fourth dimension that we can't, like <laughs> we can't see, we only see it in one, one way, slice. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, like you know, length, width, and depth, or height, I guess, length, width, and height. You know, we can see all that at once. Right, but time we only see this particular path for. So I feel like he's like you know living in four dimensions where we're living in three. Literal four D chess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's it's really cool. I always have loved that feature of the graphic novel, the concept of seeing all time at once and the, the power that goes with that, but also the complete opposite like he's he's totally beholden to it there's literally nothing he can do to change anything yeah yeah i mean the endings are showcased and i mean throughout he always acts like that with yeah the relationship the relationship's gonna end in 10 years tragically Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna tell you how it's gonna end (laughs) right when he gets you know zapped at the end just Mm -hmm. eh, it's gonna happen yeah it's it's you know it's kind of like i don't know if you know this or not but i built a time machine Really? Okay. It, it works actually. It works. It, mm-hmm. it, but the only problem is it only goes forward at the regular speed. So was that your whole bet? <laughs> that, that was the whole bit. But <laughs> <laughs> like I said, look, it only goes forward by a second, <laughs> so I can't ever do anything. <laughs> that was your dilemma with that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but whereas Doctor Manhattan, it, it doesn't need a time machine. It's not time travel. It's He's not traveling. He's just in it all at once. And how exciting for him to have that span of time where he can't tell what's going on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, and actually. Not so they, knowing. They, they they bring the tachyon particles back up, which are. I did so, like that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a nod to book readers. Tachyon particles are hypothetical particles. They're not. Uh, we, we have not been able to isolate them or study them or even prove that they exist but the theory is that if they existed they would be faster than the speed of light and tachyon particles are like they're not his kryptonite right they, they aren't they don't kill him yeah. They, yeah they don't do any damage to him but they block this he, they block his vision he can't see through tachyon particles so he can't he doesn't know what's going on if tachyon particles are around so that's why implanting this device in his brain that's been irradiated with tachyon particles means he can't use his Dr. Manhattan powers. And the excitement he had when <laughs> when Vite goes, do you know what's here? And he's like, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. What, what, what is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And actually, I love uh, Yaya. That's, is it Yaya Abdul-Mateen? I think that's his name. Uh, I, I think he's such a great actor. And I thought he just nailed this Dr. Manhattan stuff. I was thrilled by it. Yeah, I like the performance of it. At first, I I thought he'd have a more like gravelly voice, but I very quickly mm-hmm. grew grew into it. I'm like, ah, this is, this is great. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I, I loved his like little gestures with his hands. You know, yes, they, show, they never showed his true face. Like even until when they eventually he came back. But even when they did, 
um angel says something along the lines of like oh that's you still have his face right that's so true. Yeah. i think he still has it in the shape of uh, probably because the actor is playing him right yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but you know we I, I don't think we ever actually see his true face yeah it originally. is really neat and it's so much in the, the stuff in the bar mm-hmm. is just every shit camera shot of him is just his hands so he was mm-hmm. doing so much hand acting in this in this episode yeah. it's really cool that, hand that's acting really and voice cool. acting. yeah and i mean all the all the nods of how he sees time like talking back to the bar you know this mm-hmm. i say this you'll tell me this i mean they do it well we'll probably go over all of it but i yeah i really like yeah. it every every night of it it's, it's really good and yeah great answers from this episode mm-hmm. uh for dr manhattan vibe mm-hmm. angela's history so it's very very well tied together uh yeah. it makes me very excited for the finale Sorry. yeah yeah i will tell you this is the highest rated episode on imdb 9.4 i can see why yeah this is fantastic so stuff so i don't good. know if i don't know if i like it more than uh, uh this extraordinary being but I, it's up there. It's it's if it's not my favorite, it's my second favorite so far. I agree. Yeah. So it's it's really good, and I really do love the the paradox, the the time loop paradox, the the chicken or the egg. Like Will only knows to kill Judd because Angela told him, <laughs> but she only told him and knows to tell him <laughs> because he killed him, right? <laughs> So they happen at the same time. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. And I do love too, like they I feel like they did such a good job of incorporating this element of the graphic novel into this episode. Don't I mean it's it's really it it's so prevalent in the graphic novel, the frustration that Lori feels because of Dr. Manhattan's time powers and it's it's uh, played out here by angela in the same basic manner right that frustration yeah. about the the time like it's you know it, she keeps calling him an mf right <laughs> like mm-hmm. over and over again effort <laughs> so it, it's really cool to see all that it's it's cool to see you know the uh, it, i i think one of my favorite like bits was when Jeez. he ch- no, 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 not, not, right. I'm not ready yet. <laughs> so, oh, okay, okay. It's not, it's not a scene because it's, it's spread over two scenes. Is when he chuckles at Angela for calling for, mm-hmm. for commending his, his imagination, and chuckles at Adrian for uh, condemning his imagination. <laughs> and, and you know, he says to Angela, six months from now, uh, somebody's going to tell me the exact opposite. And he says to Vite. Six months ago, somebody told I'm a, I am six months ago hearing somebody tell me the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love that. It's, it's great. It, and that, I think, encapsulates what Dr. Manhattan is and, and this concept of seeing all time at once so well. I, it took me so this hour, this episode is an hour and like an hour and two minutes, I think. Yeah, yeah it, it took me over two hours to watch this episode. <laughs> I kept pausing and writing pausing notes. Pausing and writing notes is unbelievable. So yeah, this is such a good episode. It's a very good episode. Yeah, I, I mean, I I don't know how much more I want to get into it before getting. Yeah, into our let's let, scenes, let's so. let's talk about our favorite scenes. All right. So I believe that your favorite scene is, uh, I almost it's toward the end. It's so he's standing on the pool, uh, and he says to Angela, "You need to see me on the pool." That harkens back to the graphic novel when he sees Laurie and Dan having sex by the pool, 
or actually they're asleep after having had sex by the pool and he walks across the pool water so uh, i don't even know if you made that connection but i didn't (laughs) yeah that's pretty cool though right um but anyway uh and then he's doing this kind of playing go between between will and angela right so uh, that you know what I'm talking about? Well, if mm-hmm. you don't, then this is not your favorite scene. But no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, he's yeah. like he's almost like the uh, messenger. Yes, exactly. So Angela's relaying messages to Will, and Will's relaying messages to Angela through Doctor Manhattan. So um, I think that's your favorite scene. All right, you're a big Vite guy. I think your favorite scene is Doctor Manhattan visiting Vite. Yep. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh, it's just really? so cool. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of great scenes here. I, I had yeah. um Doctor Manhattan and Angela's fight. Uh, the scene you yeah. just mentioned, I liked that a lot. The uh, the yeah. moment he fell in love with Angela. There's so many like yeah. it's all awesome. think are really good. But yeah, uh, Doctor Manhattan visiting Vite to me. Just, I mean, it's a very long scene, so it arguably cheaties. Maybe the no, longest I, scene in the no, whole episode. That's okay. It's not but, cheating. <laughs> well, well, one well, thing is such a great episode. The longest scene. Yeah. Implicitly, must be the best scene. Right. <laughs> it's all great throughout. I right. guess. I guess so. <laughs> so it is like the longest scene, but yeah. nonetheless, I think the best scene. And it's great seeing Vite. And I mean, you, you learn so much information. Oh. It's such a cool back and forth because Vite, you know, this, he's the smartest man alive, and we know how smart he was from last episode. Just planning out everything in advance. Yeah, seems like he still got that knack for it. But in this series, it's been very limited because he's. Mm-hmm. I guess in Europa, in this paradise that's like mm-hmm. a living hell for him. <laughs> but this is him, like in the real world, talking with them the way they talk to each other, and it's great, you know, because he seems very understanding of Doctor Manhattan compared to everyone it, else. Yeah, well, I mean, really, these are the two people who can have this conversation, like where they they don't have to hide anything, and there are mm-hmm. only four four people alive who know everything that happened. To with the squid fall yeah right it's just Vite, dr manhattan and laurie and dan dan's in prison and rorschach he might not be dead uh, okay. maybe, maybe he's just like <laughs> put him in europa or something uh, oh. maybe. no <laughs> but uh, so as far as you know based on what we think we understand from the graphic novel it's just those four so here's two of them having this conversation that fill, just fills in so many holes. You know, we see him dropping the cephalopods, the, the little baby squid, in order to maintain the peace, right? Which I, I, I you had mentioned that back in when we were talking about the graphic novel. Like, Vite has to do something to make sure that this like, stands the test of time, right? That, that yeah. You can't just do it once and then forget about it. it, it it's going to have to be something that's maintained. Is he going to drop a squid every once in a while? But he does it this way. He he rains yeah. squid every once in a while. And he says, every hundred years, I'll drop another squid. <laughs> you, got, you, got, you got to give him a big reminder every once in a while. Yeah. Maybe I'll drop yeah. it in the ocean. Oh, I'll make sure they see it. <laughs> <laughs> but, he, you know, he you see him and he's like, kind of he looks kind of ragged like like yeah he he's obsessing yeah he hasn't showered in a few days he hasn't shaved he's he's just kind of it's he, falling he's almost, apart like everything yeah. yeah you can sense his loneliness which he'll talk about after the credits actually but you can sense his loneliness that in it's it's loneliness in karnak right because he's on antarctica by himself but it's also just this isolation of um of knowledge of this knowledge that he has that he can't 
share with people. I oh, I guess I take that back. He's he's not the only. Those are he shared with, with the president. Yeah. He does. He shared with the president and most of the senators. So so maybe not. But anyway. Uh, but even still, it's it's isolation of thought, isolation of actual physical isolation, um, and so you, you can really sense that. Uh, you know, he. It, it's interesting too because. When John comes in, and we don't see this, but he says we're having the conversation in 1985, the, the one where Adrian yeah. Adrian says that he gambled on John having morals at all. Oh, I love <laughs> that so much. And, you know, he's talking about, you know, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. That whole conversation, it was a gamble. If you had morals, then yeah. that was his yeah. plan B. <laughs> right. Blow him up. Plan A. Amnesia. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I I, I want to go on the record for this. If he's had one of these devices, I wonder if he has a second one. Oh, might be useful. I don't know. We'll see how the finale uh, goes. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, he also uses the uh, a really interesting expression here. He says, "A little elephant told him that Doctor Manhattan, Manhattan has been on." Oh Europa. yeah, you're right. A little, el- not a little bird, but a little elephant, and uh, we, we can... know who is associated with elephants. Yeah. We also know who might be one in eight million children. (laughs) (laughs) One in eight million children. That's right. That's right. He says that, you know, all all eight billion, right? Eight billion. No, I thought he said a million, but probably billion. Billion probably makes sense. Yeah. But But you're right. Uh, I was like, wait a minute. Eight million? No, no, no. (laughs) What if he had a lot of kids? He's been around a while. So I think his point was all of humanity, they're all his children. Like because because of this thing that he did for them, right? Yeah, and the way we see him like taking care, quote unquote, of humanity, you know, putting down the the squid falls. He's Mm -hmm. you know, trying to get him this nice clean energy. He's you know he's a good parent. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Absolutely. Sometimes you gotta do some tough love, drop a big massive squid and <laughs> kill yeah, yeah. one. Or actually, what what percent is that? That's less than a thousandth. Three out of eight billion, three million. Well, it, wasn't, dead. it wasn't eight billion in 1985. It was more like five billion, I think. Well, look at all the people that have lived and come and gone while he's been around. Then even right. more than so. That's right. That. I mean, I don't know if population trends are the same in that universe as they are in ours because that's you know, true. The, the, the big, it's got to be higher. It's got to be more. I don't know about that. <laughs> I theorize. We haven't <laughs> hit 8 billion. Have we hit 8 billion yet? I think we're close if we're not there, like 7.9 or something like that. Well, if we did, maybe? we hit it after them. Surely they went more before we did since, you know, they had a kumbaya of the world. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but they also lost 3 million people at once. So, yeah, well. I mean, it's only 3 million. <laughs> <laughs> it's only 3 million. <laughs> For world peace. Yeah. That's right. Salicatory invite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I love John's. Like, I, I, I call them John throughout this episode because they're not this episode, but this scene at least, because he was John to to Adrian fight. He wasn't Doctor Manhattan. It was he kept calling him John, and so, but John needs Adrian's help to become fully human. And you already mentioned this this idea that he has he's learned from mistakes with Janie Slater mistakes with Laurie like that he being a god like this is not conducive to having a healthy relationship with someone with a human so yeah so he and needs he, to somehow yeah. become more human and again the just the way Vite talks to him about it it's just yeah. so i don't know like i said he think he talks to him the most normal of anyone else like because these are two of the, like Doctor yeah. John Osterman is one of the only people that that Adrian Veidt can be truly 
frank with and yeah. and vice versa yeah. adrian veidt is one of the only people that john osterman can be truly frank with yeah i just you know this is the idea of dr Mahan asking someone for like something like something he has no idea how to do right because he lacks <laughs> profound imagination <laughs> or the profound, lack. profound yeah. lack of imagination yeah <laughs> that's right yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it, it is it's wonderful uh, you know it, it's it, he also mentions here that he couldn't use his powers uh, except maybe as a reflex in life-threatening situations which informs what we are going to see before the end of the episode with the white knight uh, and how angela survived the white knight so she was yeah so she wasn't even really supposed to survive that right yes so if judd orchestrated it and he was probably orchestrating it to be the only survivor mm-hmm. but he wasn't counting on dr manhattan showing up mm-hmm. and saving angela so as so he i mean if you go back and watch the scene in the hospital with judd and angela after the white knight there is almost an awe about Judd as he's talking to her. Like, I can't believe she survived. Like, <laughs> so it's pretty How neat. could she have? I sent the, the best Seventh Cavalry I knew. Right. Only right. someone with the skill of Dr. Manhattan could have stopped him. That's right. Dr. Manhattan. He must be, he must be, he must be Cal. And that's how they found out. That's right. That's right. Now, this scene is also cool because he plants the seed of, I got to go talk to Will first. So, so that doesn't oh, yeah. pay off until later, but he plants the seed here. It's pretty neat. And he also um, gets a request from Adrian, right? Oh, <laughs> this, yeah. This is really cool, too. Like, the, all, all that Adrian did is not enough for him because he can't feel that love uh, reciprocated. Right. He can't it's he did this giant thing for all eight billion of his children and his eight billion children don't even know he did it. They can't thank him for it. They can't acknowledge him for it. And he needs that. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, So in exchange, he wants to uh, know if he'll live to see his utopia. Right. Because people are still obsessed with building these bombs. But. That Dr. Manhattan tells him about his creations on Europa, waiting for a master to worship. And that sounds like paradise to Adrian, <laughs> which is, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that ever crossed your mind as you watch the Adrian Veidt scenes. Anything remotely resembling that ever crossed your minds. But mine, it didn't cross my mind the first time I watched it. But now watching that the second time, knowing that that's why he's here. Ah, I loved it. I love the Adrian Veidt scene so much more on yeah. second viewing. Well, I'm thinking back to like him horse riding around and when we first see him, you know, yep. having some tomato off the trees. Second, mm-hmm. you know, he's starting to have a play, maybe starting to get a little jaded now. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, like, I do want to know. And then we, now he's full blown trying to escape eventually. <laughs> right. Going through court and stuff. So yeah, I would like to know. I'm kind of curious to go back and see them now with this lens of viewing them. Yeah, but no, I, I think it's really good. I also thought it was really good. Um, they they referenced back the scene um back in the comics about uh, John. Do you remember when I asked you? You know, it was all worth it in the, in end. the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you just said nothing ever ends. <laughs> Yep. And laughed then and poofed away. Yeah, and do you do you remember the first the first episode or I'm not sure the first not not the first episode the second episode when he when they performed the play 
and he puts that line in yes. the play. Nothing mm-hmm. ends. Ever, nothing ever ends. And he mouths along with it. Yeah, like, he he's obsessed with this concept of nothing ever ends. Like it's it's it eats him alive, really. And actually, <laughs> when we get to the Pedipedia, <laughs> there's a Pedipedia called Nothing Ends. So. <laughs> anyway uh yeah so that i'm glad that was your favorite scene this is my favorite scene too i think uh it's pretty cool when we agree although we only knock out one scene in this segment well, so uh, well there was there was uh, we should you know dock uh, as we should i think you know what i'm talking about something wrong with the scene fights a culprit doing this in the past uh i'm, I'm not sure he'd like to go to Europa, and a single tear comes down his oh. eye <laughs> before before he gets pooped away. We don't like uh, single tears here on show. No, I, I do. We don't like you single do tears here. We don't no, like this, single tears no, here. No, we don't like when people talk about their dreams here on show. Show hoppers. You don't like single tears. We don't like single tears. Let's like we'll talk about dreams too later this episode. <laughs> but, anyway, all right. Well, I I think maybe we should we got to enter the recap. That makes sense. It's Dr. Manhattan Day in Saigon, and Dr. Manhattan walks down the street, picks up a Dr. Manhattan mask, and enters a bar. <laughs> Eddie's Bar, to be specific. Did you see that? No, I, I didn't look. Yeah, the either. name of the bar is, is Eddie's Bar. Also, like the so, comedian? Like the comedian, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's wearing the Dr. Manhattan mask, and Angela allows him to sit with her because he correctly guesses that she's there commemorating the death of her parents. He wants desperately to have dinner with her tomorrow. He explains how he experiences time. There is no before, he says. And he tells her that he's been on Europa, not on Mars. And he's been there creating something beautiful. And we get to see his creation of Europa now. This of the Well, not creation of Europa itself, but <laughs> his creation of the paradise within Europa. Mm-hmm. Right? The bubble. I'm going to call it the bubble. Yeah, we see him creating Phillips and Crookshanks, and he teleports the, uh, the the whole manor from England. He didn't create that. He teleported it because it has special meaning. I, that, I wonder yeah. if we'll see the manor gone at any point that he teleported oh, away. in England? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, anyway, it has special meaning to him because that's the manor that he and his father stayed at as they fled Nazi Germany and went to America. This was kind of their halfway house. Mm-hmm. Okay. He witnesses Phillips and Crookshanks start to create, um, yeah, start to create life, but they discover him. So this, we're in flashback now. He's, he's not Dr. Manhattan. He's young, young John Osterman, and he sees the original Phillips and Crookshanks, you know, start to create life try to create life anyway <laughs> right uh but he drops that apple and gives himself away uh they'll tell him they, they they do tell him that they were trying to create life because they lost their son who would have been about his age and they give him a bible calling attention to the creation story in genesis this went way better for john than i thought it was gonna <laughs> happened by the way like when they caught him i was like man they're gonna like hit him or something that's gonna be a scarring moment for him <laughs> oh, these are good people good people yeah uh, anyway he promises them that he'll create something beautiful as well now angela is impressed with his imagination but a few months from now 
a colleague who tried to kill him once is criticized <laughs> is criticizing not will criticize is criticized i love that language that like that the way that's worded is so crucial and so perfect he could have said six months from now if a colleague is going to criticize me of a profound lack of imagination but instead he says six six months from now a colleague is criticizing me <laughs> for a profound lack of imagination yeah and i ah uh, that actually like is a nod because i as a as a graphic novel reader uh, there was a, i i understood that Right. I don't know if a simple show watcher would have. <laughs> anyway, please go on. Well, well, you understood it like the language, or you understood that it was going to be Vite? I understood that it was going to be Vite. Because I don't know if they've been over the fact that Vite tried to kill him before. Oh, okay. Oh, I see what you're saying, because he yeah. gives it away there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says All that, right. and you know, we know because we've seen it. But Yep, exactly. And he tells her that she will have dinner with him, but... The problem is that she hates Dr. Manhattan. She blames him for her parents' death, who's she, who, which she is there to commemorate, which he guessed. Anyway, besides uh, people recognize him you know, on a different day. This is Dr. Manhattan Day. You can dress like Dr. Manhattan. Nobody's going to recognize you. But a different day, you're going to stand out like a blue thumb, right? Ah, but two weeks from now. She's going to have a very elegant, she has a very elegant solution. Angela, the solution is that she shows him three bodies of 30s aged men in the morgue who lived alone, died alone, and have no next of kin. He wants her to choose. She needs to choose, not him. He can, it doesn't matter to him. So she shows him a fourth. She shows him Cal. She'd be comfortable with Cal. So he transforms, but he forgets to remove his forehead symbol. He's going to forget so much more. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I mean, it, this. I feel like this episode goes such a long way toward humanizing Dr. Manhattan as well, because he. this is, this is sacrifice. He knows that he's doing this for what he's going to do for Angela. He's going to lose, like, he's going to have memory hole 10 years. Yeah, the tunnel of love. Mm -hmm. I oh, wonder, that's, I'm really curious. Man, I wish you didn't. Actually, I'm happy I read the graphic novel. But I wonder if <laughs> someone who didn't want, like, read the graphic novel watched, watching Dr. Manhattan now, having never seen anything with him, just hearing about him, right? This mm -hmm. blue godlike person <laughs> roaming mm -hmm. around, and now you're actually seeing him. I don't know. I wonder how the feelings are of a. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, any this is, uh, again, I'll have to try to convince my wife to watch it, but I think she wants to read the graphic <laughs> novel first. So, Oh, good. good. She should. She should. I, I, see, I, I, I can't good conscience tell anyone to watch it without reading the graphic novel. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's an experiment I would like to see. So. I mean, I, could, I, I would say to people, you definitely should watch it, but I recommend you read, read the graphic novel first. No, <laughs> see, I would say don't watch it unless you read the graphic novel. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I would say differently because I wanted I wanted to do that experiment. I want, I want to know. <laughs> Sick man. <laughs> is it good? Is it is it even still this good without the graphic novel? But anyway, he tells her that they will be together for 10 years and it will end tragically. And in six months, they'll be making love and then fight and she'll ask him to leave. But he does play her new favorite song for her on the jukebox. <laughs> that's so smooth i know right good. Uh, i got your favorite song that's not it just isn't your favorite yet <laughs> it is now 
Oh man. Uh, anyway, we get to see that scene now. She she tries not to fight, but when the argument heats up over his psychoanalysis of her, right? He starts to try to psychoanalyze her and the loss of her parents and all that, and that heats up the argument. His lack of risk or fear. She's risking so much, and she's afraid. He can't even feel fear, or there is no risk because he already knows how it's going to play out. So she does tell him to leave. This is like, dude, is, I feel bad for Dr. Manahan here, right? Because I know. This is the, you know, he talks about, you know, when's the last time you felt scared? And he said, you know, I'm scared. 1959. Yeah. I am scared, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm scared. Yeah. Uh, I'm burning up right now. Like, yeah. like yeah. he's feeling that right now. And she's. I don't know. She seems to be discounting the fact he's feeling it. Well, and now, every time he but... tries, he tries to like play that card, which is a very valid card to play. <laughs> she's How like, he yeah, I know time. you don't perceive it the way I do. I know, but it's, but it's he's feeling it right now. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank goodness right. he has his bike to talk to. Thank goodness. So yes, he will leave, and he goes to Karnak, and then we get his, our favorite scene. So his friend of like, it's been twenty four years <laughs> since he saw him. Let me just go and give him a chit chat. Yeah, only John Osterman would show up in his birthday suit in Antarctica. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, so, so let's skip ahead past that scene. Mm -hmm. uh, John breaks the news to Angela about this memory hole device, uh, who seems simultaneously excited and nervous, which makes a lot of sense. It, it's, it's exciting because you're, the, the love of your life is about to be fully human and you'll be able to have that type of relationship with him. But also, he's not going to be fully him, right? Mm -hmm. this, is, yeah. this, is not, this is not fully who you fell in love with. Anyway, they'll, they're going to move to Tulsa. And she'll say that he had an accident. And this is the accident that they've been talking about that was teased in the PDPD last week. That's the accident that they're with talking the, about. With the cool Dr. Mahan bobblehead. That's right. <laughs> Still unconvinced, though, and at the bar, Angela asks John to conjure up some life. So he makes an egg. Technically, it's life, he says. He would never pass his powers, though, onto anyone without their consent and the, but the way but the way that he would pass his powers on to someone he says is for them to consume some matter that he made okay is this like chekhov's egg chekhov's egg i mean i don't know <laughs> i guess he already noticed. ate the egg but I don't, I don't know if you've noticed but there have been a lot of eggs in this series <laughs> there's eggs in like every episode <laughs> oh we'll see chekhov's egg maybe <laughs> have you have you noticed the eggs I mean, this episode I have, but what, what I mean, they're all over the place. Episode one, uh, that's our introduction to Angela from the bottom of the glass bowl up. She's dropping eggs into this thing, and, and one of them has a red spot to look like the smiley face. Uh, she she kind of mixes them to look like the com the comedian smiley face. Do you remember that in the classroom? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So, yeah. so there's that. Episode two, Will is cooking hard-boiled eggs when she gets back to the bakery. He I don't. To, he oh, I remember. Himself. Yeah. Okay. Never yeah. mind. Yes, I do that. That was a big flex. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, when Lady in episode four, when Lady True shows up at the Clark Farm, what are the Clarks Farm? Mm -hmm. Yeah, eggs. they're song eggs. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's more too. Uh, wow. I, okay. Yeah. Th th I'm I'm missing something. I know I'm missing several things actually. But uh, but yeah, eggs are all over the series. <laughs> 
Chekhov's egg, maybe then. Yeah. Chekhov's egg. Oh, this episode later, he's like, watch the eggs. Mm-hmm. And she just pulls them out of the air and, and smacks them on the ground, right? Yeets them down. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I'm reserving. Yeets more of a distance? Yeah, so, no. Like, in normal conversation, I'd say, yes, she eats the eggs. But in the context of Watchmen, I'm reserving yeet for when Dr. Manhattan teleports somebody. <laughs> 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 like, he yeets the kids later. <laughs> fair, fair. okay anyway um uh, where was i here okay so anyway there's um angela doesn't uh i've lost my place we're at the bar <laughs> this the is bar. after the this yeah, is like talk right, about the device right. yeah yeah he so he would never pass his powers on to anyone without mm-hmm. their consent uh, and angela doesn't want the three um what is this word now uh, oh, no, sorry, the three kids. Sorry, Those <laughs> kids. <laughs> Where did you spell it as? I don't. It's know. four letters. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. She doesn't want the three kids that he says they're gonna have. Yeah. So she cracks the egg into a beer, yeah. which he drinks. Another flex of straight <laughs> reg down yeah. the gullet. <laughs> Can you believe it? Doctor him. I can't either. Yeah. That's how you know he's God among yeah. men. He's just... Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> beer reg. <laughs> so, uh, he tells her that there's a period of time that he can't see, but she's there before it and she's there after it. So that period of time they call the tunnel of love. This, the is, this actually seems to charm her a bit. She like, oh, yeah. laughs. And... <laughs> yeah. I mean, she, I, she seems like she's charmed throughout this. And, uh, well, more and more. At first she seems a bit yeah. annoyed and then she's like intrigued. Right. But now is where I'd say she's kind of getting, like, charmed. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So in the at the ring ceremony, I don't know what you call it, want to call this. <laughs> the engagement, but, yeah. Yeah, the engagement. Uh, he leaves his fate completely in her hands. So what else can he do? He, he's about to not be Dr. Manhattan. So they exchange I love yous, and she places the ring. And then the, I love the juxtaposition between this scene and the next scene, because the very next scene, is she removes the ring, right? Oh so, yeah. So she places the ring, and then immediately we see her remove the ring. That's how he. That's how he felt. Yeah, exactly. It's so cool, right? <laughs> I love. Oh god, this episode's so good. Uh, this series is so good. Uh, it's fantastic. Anyway, John wakes up confused after Angela removes the ring. I mean, he's he's not even saying anything. He's just walking around, looking around. Seems very disoriented, but he walks on the pool water because she needs to see this. Okay, and, then he, and then he eats the kids away. <laughs> so, someplace safe, though. The Dreamland Theater, which that was the theater that Will started the series in. Right? When he was watching Bass Reeves during the massacre. Is that the one he owns now? No, he owns he owns a theater in New York City. Oh, right. Okay. This is, so this is in Tulsa. The Dreamland Theater is where he was watching Trust in the Law. In Bass one. Reeves. Bass Reeves, right. So that's where the kids are. They're with Will. Mm-hmm. And he's expecting them because 10 years ago, Dr. Manhattan is going to Will and telling him about Angela. And Angela tells John, ask Will how he knew the Judd was in Cyclops and had a clan robe in his closet. Well, it turns out he didn't know. Not until now. He didn't know who Judd Crawford was, but he does now. So is it the chicken or the egg? It's both, same time. <laughs> <laughs> I I just love this. I love that loop that mm-hmm. Will only does the whole instigating event Listen, of the series. 
Because, you know, it's, be- it's because Angela told Will, but she only told him because he did it. It's, it's unbelievable. It's so good. In this perspective, but you hate to see it for Jed Crawford. Oh, I know. Because it's like, I've kept this robe hidden my whole life. No one's ever seen it. Okay? I, know. I know I have. No one's ever seen this robe. In my whole living life, no one has, and no one will see it. <laughs> it's I'm right. good to go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like, I like to think Will never even went to see it. I'm assuming he never I'm went sure, to see I'm it. Sure he, he, didn't. Just, he just uh, took, you know, Dr. Mahan, Dr. Yeah. Mahan's word for it. Yeah. So just that. You know what? Uh, I, I get that he's a bad guy, Jed Crawford, but you kind of got to feel bad for him. <laughs> so I found feel like he lost from day one. <laughs> <laughs> he never had a chance. Never had a chance. <laughs> he got ratted out by. You know, the blue guy himself, kind of. Yeah, exactly. So. Oh, God. Anyway, John want, is hungry, so he, he wants waffles. Uh, but Angela smashes the eggs as he tries to float them over to himself, which is kind of funny because couldn't he just conjure waffles out of, you know, the air? It's a process. <laughs> it's a process. That's right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's not about he, the destination, it's the journey. It's exactly. He tells her that the 7th Cavalry is here, and they're going to involuntarily teleport him with a tachyonic cannon. So there's these tachyons again. And then they're going to destroy him. And there's nothing they can do about it. But damn it, she's going to try anyhow. And this is the moment that John falls in love with her, when he tells her that there's nothing she can do, but she tries anyway. Oh... I didn't like Angela's response to that. I liked the scene. But like, again, her response to it is what, just now. Friends? No, no. Like, now you fall in love with me. We've been oh, together yeah, for all this time. Like, yeah, yeah you should know you, how you, it how, time. Do you not understand this yet? <laughs> <laughs> how do you not understand this yet? <laughs> you know what I mean? I guess she's upset. And maybe it's been a while. So, but just, you know, yeah. come on. You know, you know how he thinks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this has come up before, and I'm having trouble remembering where maybe I have a tachyonic like ring yeah. in my head, but <laughs> I, I, I'm just remembering what series it was where we were talking about this, but I quoted six feet under. Um, and I, what I said was, uh, or what they say on six feet under is there's, there's a mother and a son and, and, and the son doesn't tell the mother about a condition that he has. And, and, and she says, you know, why didn't you tell me? And he says, because there's nothing you could have done. You couldn't help this. And she says, I could have tried. That's what a mother does. She tries. And most of the time she fails, but it's the trying that makes you feel loved. And so I, I love that. It's like my favorite quote in all of Six Feet Under, which is my second favorite series after The Leftovers. Uh, so should watch Six Feet Under, folks. <laughs> um, but, uh, but that concept, here it is on full display. Like It's the trying that makes you feel loved. That's what made John Osterman fall in love with Angela Abar. It's, it was the trying, even though he knew she couldn't do anything to help. It was the trying that made him feel loved. So um, do you remember what episode we were, or what series even we were talking about? I to guess Centaur World. I don't think. I don't know. I think it was more recent than that. I, I, I think it was something in Lost. Actually, it was really. It was, it was Lost. It, oh, because of time travel. What it was, was it? it? It was. It was the well, variable. Well, don't spoil it. Yeah. Variable. Okay. It the, the variable. That's that's what that it makes was. sense. Yeah, because that's what you were talking. Yeah, I remember now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so, uh, no spoilers there, but the, yeah. that that's it. It's the variable. Anyway. So, but the, here it, it's this. This is the way it should be done, Damon Lindelof. You already did it. You, 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 maybe you're well, doing it this way now because you didn't do it with Lost. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I love it. 
Uh, so Vite repeated. Oh, actually, hold on a second. Um, <clears throat> so the Tachyonic Cannon is going to zap him away, and then they're going to destroy him. There's nothing she can do about it. She's going to try anyway. They take out the two of them, Angela and Dr. Manhattan, take out nearly all the 7th Cavalry. But just when Angela thinks that they've won, John does get zapped. And after convince, <laughs> I just want to say, I loved how he gave a bit of a grin when he said, she's like, ha, we won. Yeah. No. Nope. And he's like smiled. As he <laughs> Tachyon. I know. Oh, God. Uh, anyway, um, back in the bar, after convincing Angela that all relationships end in tragedy, technically, she finally agrees to have dinner with him tomorrow night. Credits start to roll, but don't turn the TV off, folks, because there's a post-credit scene here. It's like a Marvel movie, it's, my it's, favorite. It, 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 it's post-credit, but pre-next on, and this is a pretty big, important one. <laughs> so uh, Adrian Veidt is getting repeatedly smashed in the face by tomatoes. I don't want to say uh, smashed. Let's say smushed. Smushed, yeah. He's he was a victim of smoosh, we say. Yeah. So they weren't they weren't like hitting him super. They're just kind of smushing it on his face. Exactly. So they're they're just kind of yes, yeah, smushing them on his face every time he refuses to stay. You know, will you stay, master? They say. And he says no. And they every time he says no, they smoosh a new tomato on his face. <laughs> anyway, in his prison cell, the game warden visits him and could you see what he was reading, by the way? Now, what book was he reading? Oh. Was it the same book that Cal was reading? Uh, no, Cal oh. was reading For Whom the Bell Tolls, but um, he was reading the same book that uh, Mrs. Clark was reading on the egg farm. Oh, geez, I don't remember that off the top of my head. Oh, you, you, you know it, though. It's Fog Dancer by Max Shea. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. We talked about those. And yeah. then we'll see. Okay. Yeah. The, even though the game warden offers him a new book, as he always does, Adrian Veidt likes this one because it's about loneliness. <laughs> we'll have more to say about Five Dancers in a couple yeah. of minutes. So, <laughs> but anyway, Phillips and Crookshanks have made him another cake. It's it's another anniversary, and they've insisted on uh, him bring the game warden bringing him this this cake. Game warden was the first he says i watched dr manhattan create heaven and why is heaven not enough for you and he says because heaven doesn't need me so this is so again this this is a cycle for adrian Veidt now he saved earth in his own mind anyway mm -hmm. i mean i guess there's some technical truth to that as well mm -hmm. uh but he saved earth and but he he needed to feel needed, and that's what drove him to Europa is that he didn't feel needed. He didn't feel wanted and desired by the people of Earth. And now here, this is heaven. There's no nothing needs fixing here, right? Yeah, there's no there's no use for Vite in heaven, <laughs> right? Heaven doesn't need a Vite, <laughs> right? So uh, keep that in mind for the finale. The, yeah. this, uh, this idea that. Heaven doesn't need him. And but, he's kind of seems yeah. to want a bit of suffering in his life. Or... <laughs> yes, exactly. So he is elated, though, when the game warden leaves to find, finally, the horseshoe in the of cave. Of course. He's he's... So, how crazy he is, like, giggling. <laughs> I love him. Oh, God. I love Jeremy Irons in this series. But he starts scraping away at the walls and the floors with this horseshoe. And that 
is the end of the episode. Phenomenal. Oh, it was a good one. It was a good one. I, I yeah. definitely is top three, probably mm-hmm. top two. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Is it number one though? I don't know. We'll have to find out on our recap episode. But that's not. That is not. It's not time for that yet. Before our recap episode, we have some work to do because we have to cover episode nine. But before we cover episode nine, we really ought to check the time. Well, what time? Oh, my. Mr. Sal. Yes. It's TV time. Phenomenal. Ain't no time like a TV time. Kurt, if you ever cut off my phenomenals again, I'll vomit all over your boots. (laughs) <laughs> why why <laughs> are you, do you really want to vomit in my boots I've been wanting to buy new ones I mean maybe it'll make you feel better <laughs> no I just really like talking like Adrian but... <laughs> you should All walk right. around the school like that I really should I really should alright well it is after all TV time this is the best time We gotta, you gotta love it you do have to love TV time. Although <laughs> yeah. the people, the people of TV time can be strange. They can, and be. I and I want to ask you about the character also, rankings. Yeah, it's also strange because not every character that you would think is available to vote for actually is. So anyway, all right. What what do you think the the viewers gave this on a scale from one to five? Five. Yeah, that's that. That one's easy, right? So yeah. the viewers gave it a five. Ninety percent. Wow, highest one. 90%. That is the highest, yes. And this is the highest rated episode on IMDb as well. So, All right, so 90% said uh, mm-hmm. that it's a 5 out of 5. What do you think, though, about favorite characters? I think – so I'll tell you – you want me to tell you all the characters you can vote for? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I suppose. Ah, well, I mean, I don't think it will change my vote. But... Well, I, th- I think you vote for Dr. Manhattan. Oh, is he a votable character? Well, Cal is a votable character. Okay, I vote Cal. Yeah, that's what I figured. Okay, yeah, so I think you vote Cal and the people vote Cal. And you're right. I do vote <laughs> Cal and the people do vote Cal. 85% said Cal. How could you not? I guess you could uh, say well, Vite if you really mean, were. 12% into said Angela and 3% said Vite. And that is all. All right. Well, disagree, but. <laughs> I think if it, if it had said like Cal slash Doctor Manhattan, I think that might have been closer to a hundred. No, nah, it would have been. It would never be a hundred percent. But well, it would have been closer. Yeah, fair, true, true. Anyway, so there you have it. That's TV time for you. I think now, before we do more work and Watchmen, I think uh, we got to peruse that PDPedia. Okay. I don't know if you know this or not. I think you do. I originally I? tried to sing a little jingle over that song. <laughs> did you? No, I, I tried. It, I, I hated it, though. It did not turn out right. But Pretty sure I like perused. It's yeah, not a very it was, good song. <laughs> it, was, it was perused the PDPedia. The agent PDPedia. <laughs> so anyway, that's not bad. Well, it's just, that's not the right song for that. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, well thankfully for you and the listeners uh i i scratched that idea (laughs) anyway uh i don't know where to start with this one there's only two they don't kind of reference well one they do reference the other one references uh (laughs) 
I want. I think I want to start with Nothing Ever Ends. Okay, so the actual story. All right. So Nothing Ever. Well, maybe this is not a good place to start <laughs> because no, I'm going to start with Fog Dancing. All right. All right. This is Agent Petey's memo entitled Fog Dancing. I'm sorry, the subject, fog, fog dancing. So it's a little confusing at, at the start here. He talks about this calamity, like a major destructive event in Greenwood. Uh, he says that martial law remains in effect through the city and hazmat teams are, are collecting the remains of unidentified subjects, number one and two, number, num- number one and number two. And the conspicuous absence of, and then there are two names redacted here. Um, so I wonder if it's going to be like Wade and Cal. Hmm, I don't know. Anyway, uh, anyway, go on. Sorry. It also says that there are, there are other corpses that are intact. All the other corpses are intact. But anyway, uh, we haven't seen this yet, so this is mm-hmm. uh, a portender of things to come in the finale, I suppose. I love being a reader of the Pedipedia. <laughs> it really keeps me up to speed and uh, teaches me <laughs> the the upcoming news. <laughs> exactly. But for Agent Pedia, it's been thirty six hours since he heard from Lori. Now. He wants, though, in this memo to talk about fog dancing because he found a copy of fog dancing in Wade's bunker when he went there and found all the dead cavalry members. Uh, Fog dancing is a novel written by Max Shea, and he says that most people had to read it in college. Interesting. What's a a book everyone had to read? Um, A Hungry Caterpillar? (laughs) The <laughs> no, I was going to say, say To Kill a Mockingbird, maybe. Like, I did read To Kill school, a Mockingbird. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I don't know about college, but I think most people, most adult adults in the United States have read To Kill a Mockingbird at some point. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. Uh, Shea, Max Shea, the author, was working in like a VA hospital, a veterans hospital. And he was struck by their testimonials and their awe of serving under Dr. Manhattan, who was this like godlike figure. He was struck by their guilt for uh, over the atrocities that they committed with the comedian. Uh, and he was struck by their rationalizations about going from liberators saving a people from communism to conquerors seizing a country for capitalism. I love the way he phrases that. Mm-hmm. Like they they went there thinking of themselves as liberators who were saving someone saving people from communism and by the end of it they felt like no they were actually conquerors seizing them for capitalism. Very interesting. Anyway. Um so this these inspired him to write this book. Uh this book Caught one of those lucky gusts of counterculture chic, he says, that occasionally blew through the Nixon era and became a bestseller. And there were actually even two movie adaptations of it. The good one and the bad one, yeah. The good one and the bad one, apparently. <laughs> Some believe, he says, that that uh, Max Shea, after he... We, we all know that Max Shea disappeared, right? Uh, he was involved in the creation of the giant squid that Adrian Veidt dropped and all of the creatives who were involved in that project were blown up, presumably by Adrian Veidt, so that they could never talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, um, some people apparently believe that Max Shea was taken out by the Nixon-Ford administration 
because apparently they had they allegedly had these purges of dissident voices, which is terrifying to think about. But uh, there, there you have it. Sometimes um, you get oh, too many people dissenting on your opinion, and you yeah. just kind of gotta, yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, oh, move on. Okay, we're allowed uh, to say other people believe that extremists like the seventh cavalry uh they they believe this convoluted conspiracy theory that came out of rorschach's journal and was published in the new frontiersman okay so that he was vanished or was killed to hide his involvement in this vast and insidious conspiracy all right all right so those are basically the two opposing views you got the probably it's, i the way i think of it is, is that the liberal view is that nixon eliminated him because he was a dissenting voice and the conservative view is that rorschach's right and he was taken out uh because he knew too much yeah all right and anyway all right the history of masked vigilantism is, is discussed here uh and he tells us that fog dancing was really popular with costumes adventurers mothman loved it Vite loved it. Uh, even Dr. Manhattan would randomly quote lines from it. Rorschach had a copy. Uh, Eddie Blake, Doc the comedian, had a copy. Dr. Manhattan, have you read Fog Dancing? I'm reading Fog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading it right it's, now. <laughs> it's six months from now. I'm reading Fog Dancing. <laughs> a single tear comes yeah. from my eye. <laughs> How does he read a book? Actually, I guess I guess he has to look there the whole time. Uh, yeah, but, I don't know. but he'll know everything about the book before he reads it. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, well, interestingly, Adrian Veidt calls Fog Dancing the second best book ever written. I wonder what he thinks the first book is. The first best book is. Hi, you're right. Is this something from Max Shay? Probably the Veidt method. <laughs> I was, or I mean, he had the pirate stuff, right? So. Perhaps he was luckily a fan of the black. Uh, I assume he got he recruited Max Shea because of this book, not because of the pirate stuff. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm wrong. Not true, true. Anyway, but yeah, the fight method. It's a good book. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, out of fog dancing and after Max Shea's uh, disappearance, this periodical sprung up, published by guess what, Pyramid Press. <gasps> it was called Nothing Ever Ends, and it was devoted to Max Shea's life and work. So you can see Adrian Veidt having his hands all over this. <laughs> uh, we also learned that the novel's signature symbol is a gas mask. I'll wait for that next episode. A a mask, just at all, right? I don't. I mean, I I was I wasn't trying to be, you know. Uh, clairvoyant about next episode. I was actually more referencing the other article that we're about to read. Yeah, I know that has the gas mask, okay. but I'm going to be right. looking out now. All right. Anyway, um, Petey was kind of excited to find uh, the fog dancing in Wade's bunker, but he was even more excited to find the subscription series of, of Nothing Ever Ends because he had written a piece for it. They had a contest to write a a good summary of fog dancing because apparently it's really difficult to pin down what it's about. It's a really difficult to write a plot summary of it. But he tried. He came in 50th out of 50, but it was published. 
And so he actually read his own work there in Wade's bunker. Uh, and it was a humbling experience for him. Uh, he starts to second guess a lot of his philosophies, and a lot of what he thinks he knows. Uh, and this almost, this almost sounds like a, 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 a resignation letter, would you say? No, I, that, uh, uh, no, I wouldn't if, say that. It, what he says is, if I've just confessed to any incompetence that should cost me this job, I accept that. So it's not a resignation letter so much as, like, this is me now. If you, if you don't like it, you can fire me. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I do love this quote he puts at the end there, though. Agent Blake, Agent Blake once told me that masked vigilantes often get two origin stories in life. The identity that circumstances create for you and the one you choose for yourself. Perhaps the same can be true for me, he says. <laughs> so anyway, so that's, that is Agent PD's memo fog dancing in which he references nothing ever ends which is the title of the other article in the pdpedia this week nothing ever ends it is actually his summary of fog dancing mm -hmm. so if you wonder what fog dancing is about why adrian Veidt loves it so much why he it's the only book he'll read in captivity for a year we get the we introduced to the main character i'm going to very briefly summarize this but uh, Howard, Howard McNulty is the main character. He's kind of a super soldier. He's He is a fog dancer. Fog dancers are like, think of the Green Berets, think of the Navy SEALs, but even like on steroids. So <laughs> they are also cleanup people. They come in and they kind of cover up, they cover up what needs to be covered up. They clean up what needs to be cleaned up. They do the dirty work. Okay. Uh, the costume of a fog dancer is a gas mask, right? As one should. It, is it? <laughs> <laughs> a gas mask and a skin-tight silver suit. Now, we do get this information here about how <gasps> we're here. What? A skin-tight silver suit, you say? I say a skin-tight silver suit. Slippery McGee makes a return. I forgot all about him. <laughs> <laughs> Slippery McGee. I forgot all about him. Oh, that's got to be Pete. That's got to be man. That's got to well, be Petey. Well, whoever it is, whether it's Petey or not, yeah. like Slippery it McGee, is, <laughs> it is very similar to the way that these fog dancers are described because they even talk about lubing up with SPF six right. six six uh -huh. uh, to and looking slick and sliding through air vents and stuff like that. So. There's so, How someone. Do I ever looked that. I like read this. I didn't even think about it. And now that you said it out loud, I was like, wait a second. I guess I didn't think about the suit part. I I, I think I yeah. disconnected how they are dressed and look. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I I think I should forget that slippery bikini. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm well, I'm glad you remembered him. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, so after Howie Howard McNulty, they call him Howie, is is done as a fog dancer. Uh, it's 1972, and Howie is 27, but he is writing a novel. He said he, PD describes it as a bad novel about an architect grieving his dead <laughs> twin while journeying to the into the Hindu afterlife. Because the, he he thinks that he was he placed fiftieth out of fifty because he didn't really talk about India, which is where this is all set. But he, he does hint at it a little bit here. He says you know, journeying into the Hindu afterlife, uh, talking about saving the world from the destroyer Shiva, and and so forth. Anyway. Writing this novel, 
he's kind of getting you know bored with life. He is an anesthesiologist as kind of a side job, which is weird. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's a side job, and he goes to this conference, and this guy named Max offers uh, Howie and this girl that he met, Greta, another anesthesiologist, $250 to attend a demonstration of shut-eye, which is an experimental anesthesia for trauma surgeries. And they accept. And during the seminar, another guy named Shay, <laughs> so Max and Shay, uh, offer, him, offer them another $250 to serve as guinea pigs for shut-eye. And they accept that too. Now, Howie and Greta do become kind of dependent on shut eye uh, and they do also be, do also become a couple uh how he eventually takes a risk and tells greta of, of his secrets of being a fog dancer she has some secrets too though actually her name's not greta it's patricia and she faked her death at age 18 and she is now a member of the graffiti gang called or graffiti artists i should say called the tricky dickies <laughs> Guess what they draw on buildings? <laughs> it's in the name, folks. It's in there. Yeah. It's in their name. Anyway. Manhans, though. <laughs> That's right. Specifically, blue ones. <laughs> yes. I, the, I, I, this is a story. This <laughs> is a story. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. This is a story. Uh, how? Anyway, how he's eventually how his fog dancer guilt prompts him to try to destroy the terrible weapons he used. They're the, in, in wars, or that he used to cover up. And you know what? Greta's with him. She'll help. So they go to see this guy, Mr. Dow, who gets them a team of three others, so five total, and they blow up a Jones chemical facility, killing thousands and doing severe environmental damage. The Dow Jones. The Dow Jones, that's right. I don't know if that was so, on purpose, but I wanted so to know that. Mr. Dow sends them to blow up Jones chemical facility. Okay. But you know what? Mr. Dow turns out was the inventor of shut eye anesthesia. And he was using it as mind control to prompt people to revolt against Nixon's America. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> so you know what they do? They bust into Mr. Dow's hiding spot on his shut eye production facility outside of Bombay, but he gets the better of them. Good news, though. Rawhide, a fellow fog dancer, saves them. And they drop Sunset Haze, which is like chemical fire, onto the plant while wearing their fog dancer masks. Bad news? Monsters take down the helicopter and Greta's <laughs> dead because her mask <laughs> fell off. Um, <laughs> not sure if it's good news or bad news, but it's all a dream. Yay! We love dreams <laughs> yeah. on Joe Hoppers. <laughs> yes. Uh, and in a recovery uh, treatment center at a at the Fog Dancer base, Howie can't tell if he still is a Fog Dancer, if he no longer is. He can't tell what's dream and what's reality, so he does what he feels he needs to do. He takes his own life. There you have Jeez, it. Jeez, what an ending, Pete. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So there you have it. That is fog dancing. Went from the top to dead. Jeez. <laughs> so, all right, Kurt. Mm -hmm. I believe that's all we have to say about this episode. It is. Only uh -huh. one more episode left. Only Jeez. one. What are they going to do in that hour? That's what I wonder. <laughs> like, we still got Vite on Europa. Uh huh. The Millennium Clock is ticking. Oh, right, starting. Oh, that is. The elephants 
There's an elephant in the room. <laughs> Literally. <Yeah. laughs> Literally. <laughs> Will's at the theater with the kids. With the kids, yeah. You know, Doctor Dr. Manhattan's, Manhattan's been, been captured. Yeah, you know, he's been tacky on. Laurie's been captured as well. Laurie's been captured for a bit now. Wade somewhere hidden. Yeah, we don't, we don't know where Wade is. Maybe yeah. uh, he might have gone skiing. He has a nice mask for it. Who knows? <laughs> Petey, uh-huh. Petey's probably stressed out. Poor Petey. Yeah. I wonder if he'll. I wonder if he'll turn to Slippy McGee to save the day. <laughs> Slippy McGee. <laughs> I thought he came in. <laughs> if he came in, I would Slippy McGee <laughs> to the rescue. <laughs> Quick, slip away with me, Laurie. <laughs> here, uh, put this on. Yeah, here. <laughs> I like to picture him like squirting the oil all over her, but she's just wearing regular clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like this. <laughs> like flipping around. Can't catch uh, me. I'm uh, <laughs> Oh no. Look at rhymes. oil. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, we'll, we'll see if there's yeah. a return of Slippy McGee. Mm-hmm. I think there's got to be the sum effect because we didn't see who he was, but maybe whatever. We'll see. And geez, unless that's unless that's so, that could be another character. Who knows? Maybe it's Wade or something. I I don't know. I don't think it is. Okay. Uh, and what else? I guess like in Angela, obviously. What, what does Angela do? But yeah, there's a lot of question marks here. Mm-hmm. But they got an hour to tell it all. We'll see. And how does sure how does Vite fit into all this? Muddy clock. I so I still think Vite. I'm gonna go with this just True's dad because okay, I guess and maybe it's Doctor Manhattan, but I think it's I think it's Vite. Maybe it's gonna be Edward Blake, but I think the Muddy clock because the elephant comment he said earlier of knowing he was on Europa, and we know they've had business dealings in the past. True and Vite, mm-hmm. so you know they've obviously spoken before, I imagine. Mm-hmm. And True has a statue of Vite. Has great respect for him. I believe, at the very least, True thinks fights her dad, and probably is. I mean, maybe is. I, I don't doubt it. Mm-hmm. So, I think she's trying to get him back from Europa. Okay, maybe. Who knows? Uh, for that matter, she did purchase the Clark farm, and something fell on it. And we still don't even know what that is. Holy crap! You're right. <laughs> that was like her big I, introduction. I also don't even know what like um. Geez, I didn't think about that. So what else have I thought about? I don't know. I, 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 I did they give how long they've been building the Millennium Clock for? I don't know. Because if it's like seven years, then I'm, like, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty. Feel pretty I mean, good I don't know how time works on Europa. Like, I have no idea. If, if, like, yeah, how's working for here, here inside yeah. the bubble, too? Yeah. No idea. So. Yeah. That's true. Every day they give him a cake saying <laughs> an anniversary. He's been there seven days. <laughs> it's like torture. Seven <laughs> days. Oh, too much. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, anyway, folks, uh, we hope that you enjoy are enjoying our covers of Watchmen and that you check in with us again next week for the finale. See how they fly. But in the meantime, you can email us at showhopperspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to have those five-star ratings and reviews. We'd love to have you sharing the podcast around. Those are the ways that we can grow the podcast and that people find out about us. So please do those things. Uh, and check out our existing content. We have tons of it. Better Call Saul, Black Mirror, Centaur World, Dexter New Blood, The Leftovers, Lost, Only Murders in the Building, Ozark, Russian Doll, The White Lotus. And we are currently... This week, going to be covering episode six of The Last of Us. So hopefully you're following us along there as well. Anything you'd like to add before we sign off here, Kurt? 
I'm very excited. <laughs> oh, me too. All right. Well, in that case, we are show hoppers, maintaining world peace one podcast at a time. Shoe hammer some show hoppers into your day.